Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. I was drinking a little bullet bourbon after yesterday's. Oh, I I mean, literally, I don't know if you can see, but you can start to see my chin oh, is coming dude. back and I have a jawline again. <laughs> you're probably going to lose about 10 or 15 pounds in the first two weeks, dude, with what you're oh, doing. Holy easily, crap. easily. I've noticed how my pants aren't as tight anymore <laughs> and how how now the shirt the shirt actually hangs straight down. There's no bump there anymore. I've been, I got, I got, I got uh, uh, that was mentioned to me by my wife that the, the Santa Claus belly. <laughs> wow. That's what the kids call it. And I'm like, it's not that bad for Christ's sake. I'm trying to get rid of the droopy boobs. The droopy boobs. See, I, it, it depends on the weather. That's what I'm noticing. When you have big nipples you know, or what? The colder it is, the better. No, <laughs> I have tiny, tiny little ones. I have time. They're they're like they're like eraser heads. Uh, I've got, yeah, I've got like either dimes or nickels. Probably nickel size nipples. That's way too. Much I think so. I think so. Penis vagina. Just for you guys. Just for you guys at home. If you're wondering <laughs> what size of nipple Bruce has. So speaking of nipples. Yep. So you've got an interesting comparison that we've been talking about all week, and and I want to hear this. Yeah, so we started with 1962, and really it's kind of hard to compare two teams that far away, right? So instead of going to the the 90s, which is also similar in terms of at least we get to to an era where we can start comparing defenses with comparable offenses. And I know their offenses are regurgitated, but it was a completely different game. And the 2010 defense, when you look at the run that we went on, right? Because everybody remembers the the shit first half of a season that we had, like everybody was stressing out. We had this great team. No, but nothing was happening. And they went on a run. And the reason they went on a run was because of that 2010 defense. So what I went back and did is I didn't just compare the units as a whole. What I try to do is find players on the current roster that compared to the roster in 2010 and what they did in 2010 to take them to that next level. And We've talked about this. We pound the table for this, but the trenches are critical when it comes to controlling a game, whether it's the offensive line. And we've been talking about how the offensive line needs to gel, but on the defensive side of the ball, it's the same thing. And one of the cool things that um, I'm just going to kind of mention some players from that defense and compare them to here. And then we're going to give them a grade as a player. And then as a unit, we're going to kind of decide which unit was better 2010 or now. And what's interesting, and I'm going to do a little bit of carryover from last year with the, with the mid season additions, because I think with Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas coming in, just like they did with Preston and Z, right. They bring in outside players and the, 
they're kind of adverse to bringing these veterans onto the Packers. The Packers have a tendency to build from within, develop their players, pay them, which is what they're doing with Jair, right? What they did with the guys that we have, but they brought in Devondre Campbell. They brought in, um, good God with the fucking birds. Um, they, Jesus Christ. But I'm going to start in the trenches and I'm going to start with Kenny Clark, who is the linchpin for our defense. I'm going to say that right now. You know, he's as much as where Sean Gary is coming into his own. He kind of already had a breakout season last year. We all expect him to probably become top three pass rusher in the league. Easily. 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 Kenny Clark. And I, 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 I compared him to Colin Jenkins. Obviously, Kenny Clark is better than Colin Jenkins, but in terms of what, uh, Jenkins brought to that defense and Clark did just talk a little bit about what you think Kenny Clark brings to this defense. And I'm going to give the edge to Kenny Clark in this case. Right. So let's start with that player. But Jenkins was very underrated as a player. Clark is not underrated. He's been in there. But so give me some thoughts on Kenny Clark and what you think in, in comparison to, to Jenkins in that defense. Well, and we talked about this. So, I think uh, Kenny Clark is a little bit more like BJ Raj because Kenny Clark demands that double team. He plays nose. Colin Jenkins really benefited being off the shoulder of BJ Raj. And so it's almost, you know, it's almost like the benefits of having like, you know, you put Aaron Donald out there and Aaron Donald doesn't have a good day, but either guy on either side of him had a fantastic day because he was getting that double team, right? Aaron Donald was getting that double team. Uh, Colin Jenkins, big body. Uh, he had, he was pretty explosive off, off the line. I mean, he and, and he had a bit of a mean streak in him, which was nice. Kenny Clark is that guy who is always coming. He is always coming. And yeah, you might have stopped him 15 times, 18 times in a row, but he's he's got that mindset of the next one. It's the next one. It's this one right here. I'm I'm gonna bust it open right here. And that's that's tough to break. You know, we've we've seen him even in games where he's been, you know, where we're getting beat and he is still out there laying the meat and that's what you need is a guy like that who do i give the edge to 100 and i give the edge to kenny clark kenny clark better than jenkins 100 there you go so next in line we've got ryan pickett and the comparison that i pulled with ryan pickett is kind of a combination of jerron reed and tj slayton that we've got now right exactly exactly so I think Reed is more of a pass rusher than Pickett was in just looking at the numbers and just performance wise. But Slayton, I have a feeling this is the first wild card that I'm bringing into this. Slayton needs to step up a little bit because Jerron Reed, but you know, we kind of said this about Zadarius or they, they said this about Zadarius. I can't say that I did. Cause I, I don't spend enough time looking at tape and to say, Oh, I saw this coming from Zadarius, but I think that Jerron Reed coming in and it's almost what we wanted to do with merciless, right? It, it's bringing in that, that pass rusher, that specialist that just passing downs, third down, third and eight, third and six, obvious passing down that's going to come in. So between Ryan Pickett and Jerron Reed and TJ Slayton, who do you give the edge to? And what do you think in there? Well, <clears throat> okay. So Pickett was, Pickett was good. Pickett was really, really good, right? Because Pickett could kind of do both things. Now, yeah, Reed looks like the pass rusher that looks like on third down, on third and distance, we're going to put him out there. Where Slayton, Slayton, I think, got a little bit of a bad – I think he was used slightly wrong last season. 
I think Slayton should have been out there when Kenny Clark was out there a lot more to take the pressure off of Kenny Clark because Slayton is such a big body. I do agree that Slayton is more of a, uh, a run stuffer, that sort of thing. But I think now that we have this Wyatt, Clark, Reed, and Slayton kind of combination here, I think what we're going to see is, is we're going to see some teams decide, well, I'm going to double team Slayton because he's out there with Wyatt and Wyatt's going to get the jump. You know, we're, we're going to see these guys working off of each other a lot more. And that's what happened in 2010. 2010, we used eight different defensive linemen every game. We kept the fresh legs going, going, going. And now, we, what do we have, nine, ten? We have nine right now. Yeah, exactly. Nine. We're, we're in that wheelhouse of the numbers where, and you had said this before, um, the rotation of that defensive line to keep guys fresh is going to be critical. So that's And that's what we're doing. We're adding depth to what we already have. Now, where we – not that we disagree, but you, you – I'm comparing Wyatt, who is 24 – right? 24 years old to BJ Raji who turned 24 in 2010. So I just kind of went there and I think he's the biggest wild card. What are we going to get out of white? Cause he didn't have a lot of sacks, but that Georgia defense was just stacked from top to bottom, right? Like he wasn't even considered the number one linebacker in that group for Georgia, but he is the linebacker from a production standpoint, but I think overall was a better linebacker, but I'm comparing BJ Raji to Wyatt. So um, just, I guess compare for me, if it's not Raji, who are you comparing Wyatt to in that 2010? Okay. Pick it. Yeah. BJ Raj was the big body that was, he, he could move. He could move around. And Devontae Wyatt, he's like that. He's a big body that can move. Right. I think the difference is, is BJ Raj did not mind getting double teamed, whereas Wyatt got frustrated if there was a double team. Now, how do I see these guys being used? I think it's going to be a carousel. Remember now, the offensive line doesn't switch out when they make substitutions, so we can use that to our advantage on the defense. Substitute and keep using fresh guys to hammer on that old line. The battle of the game is won and lost on the line. If they can't keep us off their quarterback, they can't throw. If they can't keep us out of the backfield, they can't run either. It's all on that line. And the only way you wear down that line, okay, is to keep throwing fresh bodies at them. And exactly like 2010. So, I mean, obviously, BJ Raj is going to get the nod for me as ultimately he was, he was, the prototypical nose tackle. That's the guy you wanted. And, uh, and, and, and way smarter than a lot of the other football players got himself a Super Bowl, got himself a hundred, you know, a couple million bucks and said, thank you very much. I'm still young. I, I could still be healthy and, and, you know, productive somewhere else. So uh, good on him. Uh, our defensive line versus their defensive line. I think, I think our defensive line has the potential to be a lot better, but we're about to see it. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I'm Alex Brown from the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. This is Alyssa from Los Angeles. All right, I'm Andy from Sheffield. This is Chris from Nova Scotia. Hey, this is Aaron Alice from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, everybody. This is Hyungu from Turkey. I am Carla from California. G'day, this is Mel from Melbourne, Australia. This is Mick coming from Granger, Indiana. This is Soren Stortigan coming to you from Sweden. And this is Packers Without Borders. This is Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. Packers Without Borders. 
Listen to Two Losers on Packers Without Borders. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders for some exclusive content behind the scenes. Check out our merchandise on Public Packers Without Borders. Peace. Go Pack Go. Wichita, Kansas. From the UK. From Los Angeles. From Northern Wisconsin. From Nova Scotia. From the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. From Central Illinois. From Southern Cali. From Turkey. Omaha, Nebraska. From California. From Melbourne, Australia. From Chicago, Illinois. They're from the UK. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. That's exactly where I am, too. I gave the edge to the 2010 trenches at this point so point 2010 because we have a few wild cards that on paper show that they should be on par or better but at this point we're giving the edge to 2010 with this now with linebackers here is where holy crap man with what happened in 2010 so looking back at this they had nick barnett brad jones brandon chiller and brady papinga but all ended up on season ending ir at some point right yes yeah those guys were replaced by Frank Zombo, Eric Walden, uh, Rob Francois, right? So yeah, Francois, right, right. Yes, right. he's bringing up these names. <laughs> they were almost one-hit wonders, two-year wonders that year with the linebacker position where they did a great job. But when you're talking about, um, obviously, Clay, Desmond Bishop and AJ were really the three guys that played linebacker position. So I'm going to compare what we've got now on the team to Clay Matthews, Desmond, and AJ. So Rashawn Gary is obviously the comparison is Clay. That's the same position. They're even playing the same side. Maybe they're going to move Rashawn to the other side because of Preston. But I'm going to say that Clay is Rashawn. And here's the question for you. All right. That year, Clay Matthews had 13 and a half sacks in 16 games. So I'm going to tell you with 17 games, is Rashawn Gary going to get 13 and a half sacks? Over. Over. I think he'll get 14. That'll leave him a couple of games where he doesn't have to do anything. And don't forget, he'll have a couple of games where he has multiple two sacks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the major difference though, and, and for right now, I give the edge to Clay Matthews because of that performance in 2010. Now, the difference between Clay Matthews and Gary is, is Clay Matthews, not only did he have the pedigree and, you know, all of that, but he was in the position he was supposed to be in. He wasn't Rashawn Gary where they moved him from defensive line. You know, they, they, they made him slim down. They made him do this. They made him do that. Gary is on the uprise still. I think he's not going to peak this year. He's got another couple of years before he peaks. Whereas Clay started at the top, right? He was that guy immediate, that impact guy immediate, right? We remember Gary, his first year, eh, second year. Okay. We're seeing it. Right. And then, and then last year we're like, Oh, he's turning into a beast. I think Gary's ceiling is higher than Matthew's. But I think Matthew started at the at his top 
and then slowly over time declined. Whereas Gary is getting there. Right. And that's what we need from him. Right. Like Gary, yeah, needs oh. Clay Ma- he needs to be Clay Matthews or better um, yeah. at this point where he is and the trajectory of his career and where he is now with his career. He needs to be 13 and a half, 14 sack guy with 20, you know, 20, not he needs to get to that quarterback 20 times, whether it's sacks yeah. or getting to him and hits at least 20 times during the season. And then the next one is Devondre Campbell compared the, the both guys with the mic. And we talked about this yesterday. So I was just like, okay, cause I, I was comparing him to somebody else. So I'm going to compare, compare Devondre Campbell to Desmond Bishop. Right. Yeah. Um, so Campbell Cam- Campbell by a country mile, no doubt. So, yeah. The last question is, and this is the yeah. wild card, buddy, again. <laughs> and, and this is, I, I love this. This is such a good comparison, but Kwai Walker to AJ Hawk. Well, see, and this is this is where you and I disagree. So I think that AJ Hawk should be compared with Campbell because they both called in, they both kind of ran the defense. They were both three down linebackers, right? So uh, when you go that way, I. I appreciate what AJ Hawk did for us. I do, but I give Campbell just a slight edge because Campbell can actually cover pretty well. Whereas Hawk had some, had some issues with his coverage. Okay. So when we compare Quay Walker to AJ Hawk, this isn't a comparison. AJ Hawk is AJ Hawk and Quay Walker is, I don't know yet. Right. If you compare Quay Walker to Desmond Bishop, which I think, I mean, this is my opinion and my opinion and a bus ticket will get you on the bus. But if you compare Walker to Bishop, I think that's a little bit more in line, because if you remember correctly, Bishop couldn't cover where the dam, but man, could he run downhill and he would pop, pop guys. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot more out of Quay instead of him being in coverage. I think we're going to see him. And remember now. When Quay's out there, that that means we're more in a base where we've got a couple of linebackers in the second. So we're not going to see Quay 90% of the time. We're going to see him closer to about 30% of the time, 40% of the time, right? So if you compare Quay to Bishop, I think that that's a, that's a scratch. You, you scratch them both off. Who do I give the nod to the linebackers to? I'm going to give the slight edge to, to this year's team. Okay. Light. And I think what put him over the edge for me is the depth that we have at linebacker. Cause don't yeah. forget we have Jonathan Garvin. Yeah. We have Randy Ramsey, Chris Barnes and Enigbar, yeah. right? JJ Enigbar. Yeah. So yeah. there's enough depth there. Like you said, rotating guys through. So they're doing the same thing that they're doing with the defensive line where they're going to rotate a lot of players through. They're kind of taking that same mantra with, the linebacker position and with Devondre Campbell, who is now being called a one hit wonder by a lot of people, which is extremely frustrating to me because the guy showed, they said the same thing about Zadarius. He was able to maintain right until he got injured. But I think from a, from a, a full group standpoint, I'm also giving the edge to the linebacker. So we're tied one, one here. And now we get to our favorite section and what we feel is the what i feel is the strength of this defense which is the defensive backs at this point right but yeah we're going to be comparing this to 2010 nick collins and charles woodson so Woodson, what is stokes and jair at this point right i guess easily stokes jair a little douglas a little amos 
<laughs> I mean, Woodson. Okay, so this is the answer to all your questions. Okay, uh, when you compare Charles Woodson to anybody else on the planet, the answer is always Charles Woodson. Okay, I know everybody's gonna say, "What about Deion Sanders?" Listen, Deion Sanders was incredible. One of my favorite defensive backs in the uh, that has ever played in my life. This guy was incredible. But if you told me, who would you rather have? Charles Woodson, especially in that 2010, 20, uh, even, uh, even the uh, uh, 2009 season. I mean, we're talking, you know, double-digit interceptions. We're talking, uh, you know, constant uh, 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 interceptions back for touchdowns, you know, pick sixes. This guy was a machine. I, I would take Charles Woodson every single time. So when you say, how do you compare Charles Woodson to our secondary? I say, you don't. Charles is like three players. You can't compare him to that. That one person will beat out half of our secondary. Now, Nick Collins played more of a safety. His play reminds me an awful lot of Amos's play, except Nick Collins was very consistent. He, he, oh. You know what? I would give Amos a little bit of a of maybe like a half a percentage nod over Nick here's, Collins. So here's how I compared it because individual players, I think 2010 has the edge when you look at it is Charles Woodson and what they had. Because remember, they had Tremont Williams and Sam Shields as undrafted free agents that they picked up yeah. that year as well. And it's like, holy fuck, you struck gold, right? And then along with adding Nick Collins in the draft. So you, you had – Charles Woodson, right? But if you guys remember, and this is where I was just like, oh, like Atari Bigby and the way oh. that guy hit. So, yeah. and then we had Char Charlie Pepra, right? He started 11 yeah. games in 2010. Yeah. So names start coming back and you start remembering plays and what they did. So I think as a group this year between Alexander, and I love him to death, right? But He's not a generational talent like Charles Woodson. He might be, but he's not there yet. So we'll see. So I'm giving obviously the edge to you Charles Woodson. Yeah, yeah. You can't I mean, compare. That's unfair because Jair's uh, uh, piece of work is uh, it's only so small, and then he just came off of injury. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so really, the comparison that I'm looking at here is neither Amos or Darnell Savage are individually better than Nick Collins, but I think the combination of both of those players. Is yeah. better than Collins and Pepra or Collins yeah. and Big or Collins and Burnett, right? Like the way that yeah. they played them, because that's I see a lot. What I like about this defense is I see how they played with linebackers then. And look, we brought in this kid Sullivan, um, who is a DB, but really built like a linebacker. So I think they're going to be using him kind of in that hybrid linebacker DB role. So I think yeah. as a whole. The one, two, three of Jair Stokes and Douglas is so close to Woodson, Tremont, and Shields, right? When you compare them as a group, I think the shortcomings of one. So yeah. as a group, yeah. Woodson, Woodson was like a 10 where everyone else was like a three. So their average was, you know, really high. Whereas you go over to Jair and, and Stokes and Douglas, and there's a couple of question marks too, right? Like we're, we're still kind of waiting to see if Stokes can repeat and Douglas, but going off of what we know, I think as a group, we have a better secondary, but in the 2010 season, whatever side of the field Charles Woodson was on, you didn't throw there, period, because he was on it. 
he shut down an entire half of the football field by himself. And it was evident even more in the Super Bowl when he went down in the second in the at, at halftime there, the whole second half, all of a sudden Ben was starting to hit those hit those players that he wasn't even looking at before because Charles wasn't out there. Do I think Jair becomes like that? I think Jair has got the potential to be like that. I think Stokes has got a potential to be like that. I think Douglas can get close. The three of them out there on the field makes it very difficult to throw. I think I give the slight edge, a very 0.0001% edge to this year's group. And I just, because of Charles Woodson, generational talent, I give it to 2010. You know, just because of Woodson and what you just said, the fact that he was able to completely dictate what an offense did as a single player in a game is something that as Jair, as fantastic as Jair is, as fantastic as Stokes played as a rookie, as I mean, you're talking about six picks for Douglas. um, It's as a group, they're pretty tied, but I have to give the edge just because of what Charles Woodson did. Now, if Jair this year, after not playing for an entire year, can come in and shut down an entire side of the field, which I don't think they're going to use him that way, Matt, which is why it's going to be hard to compare him because he's going to travel. I, I really think that the way that they're looking at this offense, right, or this defense, is that they're going to have these guys travel with the one like Jair's going to travel with the one, not necessarily play man, but be on the side of the field where that one is. So we'll see. It's not going to be like the whole left side of the field consistently. Like that's something that Ramsey does all the time, which is kind of what irritates me a little bit about him. Like Jair travels with players can handle both sides. Ramsey's going to stay on that side, regardless of if Devonte was on the right side, he's staying on the left-hand side. Like he rarely traveled with Adams. Why? And when he did travel with Adams, Adams burned him how many times? So Ramsey is trying to be that way. And, and the reason I'm drawing that comparison is because they always say that, that Ramsey is better than Jair. And I completely disagree and think that is false. I think Jair from, a even currently and where he's headed as a player is better than Ramsey and Ramsey is a great is a great zone coverage corner with speed Jair can do either that's it that's not so we're giving the edge to 2010 but because we have wild cards and players that if they do what we expect them to do on paper. They're there. Can you translate that to the field? Then the defense is going to be on par better than the 2010 defense. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to find out at the end of the year, won't we? Yeah. hundred percent. Super Bowl or bust baby. Woo-hoo! Don't say that. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride people. Yeah. Oh, I was watching awesome, Bruce man. Almighty last night, dude. I had not Were seen. Were you watching all Bruce Almighty? I did. It is a underrated movie. I forgot how good that movie was, dude. I mean, Morgan Freeman in there is God, and giving a guy for one week, okay, you have all the power that God has. And the first thing he does is he goes home and gives his wife the greatest orgasm she's ever. <laughs> Right on, probably buddy. A good idea. It's probably yeah. a good idea. It's probably a good idea. Go home and do that for your wife immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you know? God. Happy wife, happy life. That's how it works. I mean, I don't know. You know, have you uh, have you been watching any of this uh, Johnny Depp 
and uh, Amber Heard. I've been getting like clips and, you know, I, I don't pay too much attention to it because if you get your information, all of your news off of TikTok and Facebook, I mean, I think you're an idiot. But at the same time, you're also watching videos where, you know. It looks like they, she's snorting coke in the courtroom. Well, the one that really got me was is they were pressing that she had posted some op-ed uh, a piece about Johnny Depp and his uh, problems and all of this. And she denied it, denied it and denied it. And they fought over that. She denied it. And then under questioning, they were talking about something completely different. And she came out immediately and said, that's why I wrote the op-ed piece. So I could tell my story about my side. And you could see Johnny's entire team that was writing and busily working, heard that. And they all looked up like, Oh my God. And even the, even come, the, the prosecutor there, she was like, She's like, uh, do you know that perjury, you can go to jail for that? Do you know? Like, yeah. when you start to hear some of this stuff, and it's coming out, and she's got all these great claims. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. At first, when you hear it, you think, oh, man, Johnny Depp, what happened? You fall off the rails. What's going on? Right? And then Johnny started doing something smart and started recording this stuff and marking it down and dating it and keeping track. Right? And, man, it's it does not look good for her whatsoever. The problem is it's typical behavior because when people think of abusive relationships, it's always the other way around, right? Where it's the guy being abusive with the woman, but it this is brought to light the fact that it can be the other way too. And, and not that he didn't instigate it. I mean, I instigate my wife all the time, not to the point where she's defaming me and, and little yeah. me, me feel like shit, but that's just a relationship. But um, my daughter is pretty like my older daughter has taken a shine to this and spending a lot of time looking at it just because she's extremely interested in where this is coming from. So I'm getting my news from her and she'll send, you know, a lot of memes and a lot of jokes. But ultimately when we talk about it, it started a really good conversation in our family about, you know, abuse, emotional abuse is just as bad as physical abuse. Physical abuse is something that can be seen. And, and a lot of times it's this pattern where they just keep going back and you keep going back. And I see this with, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my friends and people that I know, just as everybody knows, I mean, 60% of marriages end in divorce, which is why I'm a FAMI and why I put in 100% into my, my marriage the way that you do, Matt. And every time they ask me like, like they really people ask me like, how do you do it with your wife? Like, how have you guys been together for 19 years and you don't argue? It's like, Oh no, we argue, you know? Um, oh. It's not about See, that. It's finding a compromise, right? She, she's got blackmail photos. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, that's, my, <laughs> they know everything about she's it. She's got but, some serious, you. but the, the, the thing that I told my daughter, is, I said, the, the main problem with people that are in relationships like Amber and Johnny Depp is that you need to look at yourself in, in your interior because a lot of times when people leave a relationship, they go straight into another relationship that's the exact same thing because you need to find yourself and you need to change something that you're looking at that's attracting that type of energy and attracting that type of person to your life. And most people don't change who they are. It's very hard to change yourself. I mean, that was the biggest change that I had with my wife. I wasn't always the greatest dad. Well, yeah, I was always a good dad, but in terms of a husband, I had a, I, I was, I was short doing on a lot of things when I first got married, especially coming from a single life, playing rugby, traveling the world, drinking every day, having a good time partying. And then you get married and you, you have a responsibility to that one person. And I mean, I had to go 
And I had to make a drastic change in my life if I wanted to stick around with my wife. Like she wasn't going to put up with my bullshit much longer. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And Johnny Depp needs to reflect on his side of things and really realize what you're doing wrong to attract these type of people into your life. That's where I stand on it. 100%. 100%. Right? You get what you give. You attract like-minded people. Now, I'm not saying Johnny Depp did this. But at the same time, I don't understand if I was on my honeymoon and she gave me a black eye, honeymoon over. Yeah. Honeymoon over. Bye-bye. Why did, if he went bye-bye and then walked up to the cameras and they said, what happened? You said, oh, she punched me in the face because she's crazy. And now I have a black eye. Right. And people go, oh, well, you know, Johnny, you're a guy. Okay, let's flip that around because we want to make sure that the sexes are equal, right? That's what we're all fighting for is that the equal. Okay, let's say on her honeymoon, she got a black guy. Well, hang Johnny Depp up by the ankles and knock his testicles with a paddle, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, until he yeah, dies. Like, right? mm. Exactly, right? So I get it. I get the animosity and I get how, you know, I mean, honestly, in, in, in my life, when I worked in the bars and, uh, you know, there would be uh, women fighting, you know, there be a girl fight or something and i've i've had I, I think i told that story one time where this this girl actually squared up on me and i said okay now come on and she was only maybe four foot eleven and a hundred pounds soaking wet and man she worked the circle on me she she was a boxer she worked a circle on me and i bet you she punched me about 25 times before finally another waitress tackled her to the ground and they got her up i stood there i won't i won't do it because of that stigma right like even while she was hitting me i was like i'm not going to punch this girl Right now, if she came at me with a knife or a gun or what, you know what I mean? It may be a different story, but the stigma is still there. And we have to remember, especially as a society, and if anybody remembers their old relationships, if you're over the age of 35 and you've had a couple of relationships, you can think back and you can think, you know what? She was a little abusive. She was a little aggressive. I couldn't go out with my friends. I couldn't talk to anybody on the phone without her knowing. She had to see my phone. She has to go through my phone. You know, my wife can go through my phone whenever she wants. There's nothing on there that I'm, I'm worried about. She wants to look at it. Go ahead and look. I can go through her phone whenever I want. The thing is, is you don't. Yeah. Yeah, my kids grab my phone. You know, like my my, I, there's I have nothing to hide. I mean, it, there's many avenues to to do things, and it's it's really weird to me. You know, when you because we talked about this before a little bit, and you know, with with abusive relationships, I, I mean, I guess I was in not necessarily abusive relationships outside of whatever. I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much, but I think looking back on some of the relationships, there came a point where one of the biggest things I think that happened to me was I was always very loyal to one person. I wasn't always partying. Like if I had a girlfriend, like I had like basically four girlfriends my entire life and I spent time with them, you know, like by the time I was dating them, it's because I was looking at some sort of long-term relationship and all of them ended with them trying to alienate me from my family and my friends, all of them. It's like, okay, like I'm not going out with my friends. You're not giving me freedom. Yeah. It's great. You love me, but you want me just for you. And I can't have my own life. It's like, no. And I walked away and I walked away every single time from those relationships, but a lot of people can't recognize it. Right. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing is just being able to recognize that sometimes you need therapy or you need professional help to get past that. And 
man, I mean, I, I don't even know what the point of this defamation character, like this defamation trial is. Like, I don't understand what the end result is supposed to be. Like, why are they doing this? I, I just, I, that's the part I don't understand. Why are you putting your dirty laundry out for everybody to look at? That's the part I don't understand with all of this. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but I guess, you know, like on Johnny's side, like he had said, they, he said, he's, he, he's lost. He's lost already there. You know, he said, he's got to carry this with him wherever he goes. It's always going to be that, 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 that smear that's on him. And he said, regardless of the outcome, I'm always going to be known around the globe as having this problem. So I appreciate that he's going to publicly put this all out there to clear his name, but he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right, right? It's like Einstein once said, you can you can fix the bridges, you can cure the sick, and you can feed the poor, but you suck a dick one time, you'll always be known as the cocksucker, right? It, it, it's that thing. I had a – I, I, I had a guy – actually, Einstein did. I had a guy that I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I knew personally, and uh, there was a rumor that went around, and it completely destroyed his life, and it, it wasn't true. It was a false accusation by somebody who was very angry with him. And they decided to say, and they, and I mean, I don't even want to say it on the show, but it's, it, it starts with P-E-D-O. Okay. And I mean, it destroyed, absolutely destroyed 99% of his relationships. And I'll be honest, when it first started came, coming out, it was like, holy smokes, distance yourself from this guy. There's certain things that as soon as they are said, it's done. It's over. It's over. Yeah, just That's where it. there's smoke, there's fire. Regardless of whether it, it's just like everything in the NFL, where you've got the abuse. You know, you've got these cases of abuse, and maybe in the court of law, there, there's two different things. The court of law might not find somebody guilty, but why? Because there's outs. You can accept guilt and a plea deal and pay a bunch of money for it to go away, so you don't have to worry about it. But you also have the the court of public opinion, and that is a lot harder to deal with, right? Like if you hear that somebody's doing something again, like I, I don't hang out with anybody from my 20s anymore. Why? Because now at 45, they're still acting like 20-year-olds and going around and partying and and hitting on girls and girls are hitting on them and whether it comes to something or not, that's not the, that's not what I want to be seen with. That's not what I want to be known for because it's guilty by association also. So you have to be real careful with those, the way that people look at you socially again, like with that, like, even if it was true or not, like I would have a hard time hanging out with that person because then you're going to take some of that on. And that same stigma of whatever that person was dealing with is going to come on and it's going to reflect on you. And, and you just have to be real careful with that. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's taking one for the team, man. Like that's the one thing with Johnny Depp that he's doing. He's putting this out to light because this is unprecedented, right? Like th this is why it's getting so much airtime um, and so many eyeballs on it, because I don't remember a time where a guy has stood up and said, I'm done with this. This is what's going on. It's the other way around. And the me too movement is not just women. It's everybody. Like everybody yeah. can fall into this. It's, it's, it's not gender agnostic. It's not, it's just, it's agnostic to everybody, right? It can affect everybody at any time. It doesn't mean so much respect to him. I just don't understand why, like I personally would not bring this out to light, but then again, he's a public figure. It's affecting his lifestyle, his way of being. I mean, you know, there's a lot of actors that disappear 
because of stigmas, right? Like you see, what was it? I think it was Meg Ryan that completely changed her face. And even uh, Famke Johnson, who is a beautiful woman naturally, now you look at her and they have to stay in that same young looking face. They have to look exactly the same every single time because they get profiled a specific way for a role. And, you know, for Johnny Depp, part of the problem with me that I had with him is he was basically Jack Sparrow in every single movie he did. Like when he was the Mad Hatter, he acted like Jack Sparrow. Like, so though I think it did not allow him to expand from what he wanted to do, even though, he's going to be Johnny Depp and you're already going to expect what you do with him. But if you, if it's affecting your livelihood, obviously that's probably why he's doing this is probably coming around yeah. and saying, right. What's going on. And he decided to bring this out, but I mean, okay. So he wins the defamation case. Is he going to win money? Is he, I mean, what? Yeah. yeah. Well, he did lose pirates of the Caribbean, the Harry Potter. There was a whole bunch of movies that they, they tossed him from because of these allegations. And now all of a sudden, Disney, after hearing some of this evidence and that, is like, oh, well, we could use you in Pirates of the Caribbean again. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of different jokes and stuff. But basically, he told them, go pound sand. I was guilty until proven innocent in your hands and in your eyes, and I want nothing to do with you. And I, I can't I couldn't agree with him more. I mean, apparently they offered him something ridiculous, too, like 100 million bucks or 400 million. But who knows what half of these guys get? I mean, who knows? Maybe they get on the back end. Who, who knows? But you know what, uh, uh, hopefully this brings a different light to uh, this his situation and hopefully they get this thing cleared out. Um, it's it's interesting, it's interesting. When stars collide, right? I guess that's what we'd call that. Um, Saturday, in the books, Monday, Monday mailbag. Don't forget if you got any mailbag questions, you can send them to us at Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. That's Packers Without Borders, all one word at Outlook.com. Or send them to our DMs uh, via Twitter at Borders Packers. Bruce, love the comparison of defense. That's awesome, buddy. You have yourself a great, great Saturday. You too, buddy. Have a wonderful Saturday. Enjoy the fam, and we will talk to you on the flip-flop. Peace. Go Pack, go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go! Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end, it hurts to set you free, but you'll never follow me. The end.